The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. We decided we would spend a bit of time in the month of August talking about food. Didn't expect the weather to be quite like the way it's predicted for the weekend when we decided we would talk about barbecuing on today's programme. I said maybe we should have expected the weather to be the way that is forecast for the weekend with loads of rain, given what we've had for the month of July. So does that mean that barbecuing is something that you should just forget about? That there's no pleasure to be had in going outside to barbecue food that you'd only have to bring inside again? Pat Conway from Smoke and Soul. What do you say? Hi, Matt. Uh, thanks for, for having me on. Yeah, look, at I suppose... The weather is a real deterrent for some people about getting out into their into their back garden or into the yard. But really, I think there's been a bit of a seed change in relation uh, to people's uh, gardens and things like that. I suppose over COVID, people have really looked to, to have a sheltered area outside or they've uh, built a, a little bit of a gazebo for themselves. And, and, and that creates a, a great little atmosphere for, for getting your barbecue up and running in, on those bad days. And to be honest... People even forget that they have an umbrella in there and that their barbecues have lids on them. So, you know, it's it's all fair game, really, Matt. Yeah, but hang on. You need your two hands when you're barbecuing, don't you? Rather than been trying to hang on to an umbrella. Ah, uh, yeah, but sure, the weather isn't that bad. And, and, I'm, and I'm sure you, you're not going to be cooking a, an, an entire uh, feast for 47 people at the same time, Matt. So you should <laughs> be able to, you know, lay your tongs down on a nice table and uh, lift your lid off your barbecue and then turn your food around. So I suppose, it, you know, there's another aspect as well. If you have a, if you've got a garage there, you can get those doors open, put your, your barbecue right at the leading edge of, of where the rain is about to come in on top of you and, and, and uh, barbecue away. Do most barbecues now have lids on them? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, even when you go into any of your retail stores, you'll see that there's a lid on your barbecue. And those lids are there for a reason, Matt. You know, they're they're there to um, maintain temperature. They're there so that you can cook uh, offset. And a lot of people don't really understand the whole offset. There's a bit of a kind of a culture here in Ireland where, um, you know, we light a fire in our barbecue and, you know, all the local blacksmiths and farriers are coming over to smell iron ore in the barbecue when there's no need for it, you know. Uh, low and slow is good and you can cook hot and fast on a very small fire as well. So I suppose it's just about understanding your fire uh, your fire management a bit more. Yeah, we'll get to that. I just was just the last thing in relation to the rain. I suppose I understand you can keep your food dry when you have the lid down. The problem is when you're trying to plate it perhaps afterwards that it gets wet and maybe starts destroying the impact of what you've done. To a certain degree, I suppose, you know, but, you know, a little bit of foil from your kitchen or a little bit of cling wrap from your kitchen or, you know, if you bring out a roasting dish that has a lid on it and you can load load directly into that and bring it inside and, you know, uh, it's wonderful to have a barbecued meal indoors as well. There's a completely different uh, flavour, texture profile off that, off that food when it's cooked over live fire and live embers. It's something that everybody should try their hand on at least once. You'd be surprised uh, how much you'd enjoy it. It's a great hobby. Sandra and Tremore says we barbecue all year round. We always have a barbecue on the 28th of December every year for 10 to 12 people. Okay, tell me about offset cooking. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so I suppose if you try to if you try to picture it, Matt, uh, and you're looking directly at your barbecue or looking directly into your barbecue, the fire is on your left-hand side and then over at the right-hand side of your barbecue, you don't have any fire or any embers in that part. 
and you place your product, whatever you're cooking, let it be some veg or you're doing a dessert or you're cooking some meat, and you place that product then over the area that doesn't have any uh, fire directly under it. And that is essentially offset cooking. So you're cooking away from the fire. And that's where your lid comes into play then as well. You put your lid back on your barbecue. Uh, all these lids and, and barbecues have vents on them as well. So the vent uh, that's on that lid should be sitting directly over your the product that you're cooking. And you're creating a nice a, a natural kind of aspirated fire where the airflow works in your, in your favor. And by cooking offset, you're not getting that kind of, I suppose, traditional Irish barbecue where we've got uh, black sausages and black burgers. You're bringing up that core temperature nice and slowly. You're keeping all that fat and flavor in your, uh, in, in your products. And it just comes up nicely and you end up with a fantastic end, end so, result, you know. So don't cook directly over the fire or the stones for the fire. There's there's a time and a place for everything. There's some products that suit being cooked directly over the fire. You know, some people love that char grill on a steak. But if you want nice, juicy burgers, nice, juicy sausages, if you're cooking chicken leg tie or you want to do a nice roast or something like that outside in your barbecue, cook offset. Almost think of it as an outdoor oven. That's essentially the way you're setting it up. Okay, stay with us there, Pat. I want to bring Dr. Linda Gordon, who is Chief Specialist in Food Science at Safe Food. Because I understand, Linda, you're particularly concerned about the importance of using a meat thermometer to make sure that meats have been done at the right temperature. Explain why. Well, it really just takes the guesswork, I suppose, out of cooking. I think a lot of people in our research shows that a lot of people have, you know, sent back food or not eaten food because it was undercooked at a barbecue. And I think a lot of people as well are a bit kind of anxious about barbecuing and knowing when meat is fully cooked. And I suppose the important thing is to point out that some meat needs to be fully cooked on a barbecue or whatever way you're cooking it. Things like pork, poultry, anything that's minced or skewered, so burgers, sausages, things like that need to be cooked right through to the centre, not like steak and whole cuts of meat. Okay, Uh, but what about that many of the modern barbecues have thermometers on the outside for the heat of the entire unit. Is that good enough to tell you that the meat has actually been done inside? No, the, the, the temperature that, it, you know, the temperature of your oven or your barbecue or whatever cooking appliance you're using is not going to be the same as the temperature, the internal temperature of, of the meat. So what you need is for your, the, in, the right, the centre of your meat to reach 75 degrees. And that's the temperature at which any harmful bacteria will be killed and your meat is safe to eat. And I suppose it just takes the guesswork out of it for people. There's, it's, very, it's not very subjective. It's, it's very clear cut. OK, and what sort of temperatures do the meat have to be at? So 75 degrees is the temperature okay. that, it, that it needs to reach. So it doesn't, you know, whatever method of cooking you're using, whatever temperature control you have or, or you know, as Pat has described about, you know, you can arrange your barbecue differently um, further away from the coals or whatever. Whatever method you're using, it should reach 75 degrees at the centre for those types of meat. And do you really need a special thermometer? Can you not just cut the meat open and have a look at how it is in the middle? Well, what you can do is if you are using that cut and check method, there are three checks that you need to do. Um, and they are that there's no pink meat, that the juices run clear and it's piping hot to so this steam coming out. So if you don't have a thermometer, then you need to do those three checks. But research we've done in the past shows that very few people actually do all of those three checks. So they might have a look at the meat to see is it's not pink anymore and they think it's fine. So it's just 
that the, the thermometer takes the guesswork out of it. But if you don't have a thermometer, those three checks together are fine as well. Uh, Pat Conway from Smoke and Soul, how do you check? Yeah, Matt, we'd be doing the very same thing as what Linda says there. We ha- we'd have a, a term of pen or a term of probe, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and we use that uh, to, to test the core temperature of all the meat. We know my, myself and Jim O'Brien are, are, are pretty much the, 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 the brains behind Smoke with Soul, if, if you want to call it that. But we really implore people on our courses um, to really, really buy a term of pen as the first purchase. You, you, you probe your meat. And you know that the, the food is safe to eat. And there's, there's a lot of recipes that we do as well, that we bring it far in, uh, in excess of, uh, of 75 degrees core temperature. So you could be bringing, you know, a, a nice uh, chicken uh, leg tie up to maybe mid 80s, about to 85, 86. When you're doing pulled meats, you're looking at getting up to a temperature of 93, 94 core temperature. So, yeah, you know, it's understanding the product uh, of, of how you want that product to behave. Uh, and to eat and also always staying well clear of a 75 I think Linda's probably well aware of the old saying 75 to stay alive Well tell us I believe you're not a big fan of the gas barbecue which I'm sure many of us have <laughs> Look at I suppose myself and Jim we, we, we design and build and make live fire units so it's it's not something that we'd be necessarily cooking on uh, ourselves on a day to day basis but um, there's a time and a place for everything. You know, there's a lot of convenience to the gas barbecue. But when it comes to real, uh, real flavor and the real deal, authentic barbecue, it's very, very hard to beat. In fact, it is impossible to beat the kind of flavor and texture and everything else that goes along with it when you cook over open fire, you know. OK, what, what difference can it make? And how do you Look, get that difference? So you, you, you're able to impart flavors onto your onto whatever you're cooking because uh, lump wood charcoal is what we use, and that essentially began its life as a uh, as a timber. And all those timbers have their own flavors. I mean, we've used cherry flavored uh, charcoal in the past. We add a little bit of timber from time to time as well to our charcoal, and that allows us to impart apple flavor to pork or cherry onto steak or you know you've got those american timbers that are quite accessible to get now as well you get lovely mesquite flavors and hickory as well and it just changes the color profile of what you're cooking it gives it a different flavor and it 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 just it just ups your game a little bit as well when you're entertaining guests you know can i ask a really dumb question can you throw some maybe of uh, the coals into your gas barbecue I would stay away from it, Matt. I think you <laughs> might have a little bit of an issue there. You might want to have a, an emergency phone contact on. Uh, <laughs> out, okay, know? you've got a couple of recipes for us. Uh, tell us how you do yeah. chicken wings, please. So, yeah, there was a, a great friend of ours gave us this, this fantastic recipe uh, sometime back. We had a wings festival we were at, and he told us that he was going to do Italian wings for us, and uh, it actually blew our mind. So what we do is we get uh, a load of chicken wings, and we put them into our barbecue and we cook them offset, like we just uh, described to you earlier. Uh, bring them up to about a core temperature of 85 degrees. Uh, and what we do then in a bowl, we'd have some parmesan, uh, some chili flake and uh, some uh, freshly chopped parsley. And then as soon as the first, uh, you've got to get your chicken wings into that bowl. But as soon as the first chicken wing hits that bowl, you start mixing it, you start turning around so that the the parmesan doesn't stick to the bottom of the bowl. And then just to make it a little bit healthier in the background, you've got a combination of uh, of equal parts honey and butter, just melt it together nicely and then pour it over the final mix. And it uh, really takes you away from uh, the stereotypical hot, the hot, uh, the Frank's hot sauce wing or the barbecue wing. 
And uh, we find that when we show people this, it's the first thing they do when they, it's the first thing they cook when they go home. They love it. It's so different. And great, tell us great. about your smoking soul barbecue sauce. So, yeah, I suppose a very divisive issue, issue between myself and Jim. And I suppose we, we made something that uh, was, was, was a kind of a, a works across the board. So we use a, a ketchup base. And in there, you got your brown sugar, you got worcester sauce, you got mustard, you got uh, some apple juice, garlic powders, cider vinegar in there is key because it gives it that real cut that you expect from a barbecue sauce. A little bit of heat from the cayenne, obviously salt and pepper. Cumin and coriander works really well. And you can build on that as your base. You can add in loads of different flavors. Then after that, you know, you take it to Asia or you can take it to North Africa or more vinegar and get yourself into that kind of real kind of North Carolina uh, barbecue sauce. But the key to it is, is when you've got all that put in the pot, just cook it out a little and let all those flavors become friends and uh, it'll store in your cupboard for a long time. It's a great little addition to your to your repertoire when you have some guests around, you know. We're going to put both of those recipes up on our website as well. Pat Conway from Smoke and Soul, I know you're going to be down at the All Together Now Festival as well, so enjoy yourself at that. Thank you very much for joining us and also to Dr. Linda Gordon uh, from Safe Food. The last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.